Each week, Invest Talk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for winning investment research. And the answer is Y Charts. Quality data with easy to use tools. You can start your free trial today. And if you purchase during the month of June, you'll get 14 months of Y Charts for the price of 12, plus a free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Subscribe now go.ycharts.com slash investtalk. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday. June 25th, 2019, we got, what, less than, what, three days left? We got three days left in the trading quarter, the end of the quarter, and, of course, into June. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today, and I hope you also call me with your investing questions or any questions financial. has to be financial, though. Any questions financial, we'll talk about it. Because when you call, you drive the show. And it makes it for a more interesting show. I think so, anyways. So I'd love to answer your questions. Even if there are stock questions, it doesn't matter what kind of financial questions you have. 401k, IRA, you want to talk about economics, I'd be happy to talk about economics and how that affects the stock market. Um, so any of those any of those issues that will affect the stock market, we'll talk about. I don't like to talk about politics, though. Even though politics do matter when it comes to stock market, but I don't want to get into any of the, the back and forth about politics. Now, today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to move you to that position of financial freedom. That's where we all, that's where the goal is. How much money do we have to have that we can live the rest of our lives on the income that money produces? That's really what the goal is. And how much money do you want? Well, it depends on how much, how much of an income you want in retirement. At some point, you're not going to be able to work. It's as simple as that. Either you'll get laid up because your skills are not, not up to par, or you know there is age discrimination. I don't care what anybody says out there. And, they, and you get laid off because you're old, or you get sick. Now, by the way, that, I think that's the number one cause of uh, elderly, elder, older workers for being retired. They get sick. So one of those reasons, so we have to all have enough money. And to do that, we need to reach that goal of financial freedom, whatever that means to you. My main talking point today, why you should keep your eye open during the June market rally. June does not have very many market rallies in history because June is not the best month. Not even one of the better months. So... You gotta keep an eye open. I mean, we hit, reached reached our our highs and may, broke broke it a little bit, and here in the last couple of days, market's fallen off. So, you know, you gotta keep your eyes open. So that's gonna be our main talking point to Dow today. Okay, um, I've got some other interesting topics I want to talk about. Um, I had a question from from one of my listeners. He sent me a question, and he wanted to know. What was my uh, biggest personal financial mistake? So that's going to be one of my talking points today. I'm going to explain my biggest personal financial mistake I had in my life. So we'll talk about that. 
Uh, Wells Fargo analyst Tracy McMillan, head of global asset allocation strategy, says all gains for the year are maybe already in the market. I kind of agree with her on that. So I want to talk about that. Leading economic indicators. Leading economic indicators. That came out about a week ago, but I thought we, I think we should talk about it. And I have, there, there's certain faults in this June rally I want to talk about. June, you know, I, my, I, yeah, the, this has been the best June in forever, okay? Best June. We had one of our worst Mays in forever and one of the best Junes forever. But there's some problems with this rally. And that's what I want to talk about, the faults in the June rally. It will it continue when we still continue to rally in July? We're going to see. No one really knows. The market was down today. The Dow was down 179 points. The Nasdaq led the way down at 120 points. And the SP was down 28 points. So it was a fairly negative day for the Nasdaq and the S&P. You know, Dow was down too, but the other two were down bigger percentage-wise. Anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. But what's on your mind? You can give me a call right now on our anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Justin in North Carolina. I have a couple of stocks on my watch list, uh, namely Kroger uh, and Teva, that uh, are down around their 52-week lows and, and heading lower. Uh, just wondering if you have a general strategy for how to, how to get into those stocks. Is there some indicator you would look for that it's showing a little bit of strength, maybe crosses a 52-week uh, moving average or 50-week moving average or something like that. So if you could, would you kind of give me some strategies to, to consider for moving into these stocks? Thank you. Okay, there are some good strategies. When you have stocks that are beaten up, but they're still good, solid companies that are beaten up for the whole sector might be beaten up, then they might be the best in the sector, or the mark, or we're late in the economic cycle. And when you're late in the economic cycle, certain sectors fail and other sectors do well. So there might be sector rotation going on. So he's asking, well, what, if I got this really good company that's been beaten up and the numbers are still really good, what's my strategy for getting back in it? Well, first of all, you never try to catch a falling knife. You let it stop falling. And the best thing that you can see is now sideways movement. And one of the one one thing you can look at for that is look at the ETF GDX, is is the Gold Miners Index. You'll see that it fell and bottomed it back in the beginning of the year, tried to make a recovery, and then bottomed again right at the end of April, moved sideways for all of May. It did not go down. Remember, we had a terrible May. That's called basing. You like to see some basing. And if you look at that basing that happened in May, you'll also see on other charting indicators that were looking better. The MACD started to move up. The you know the um, relative strength started to move up. And then it spiked here in June. So you want to see that basing and then a breakup above some moving average. 10-day, 20-day, 50-day, whatever, whatever moving average you like. Because you want to see strength coming into your stock before you buy, but you don't want to wait too long. So keep it, you know, the strength you want, you just want to see it coming off that bottom for a few days a week, and then you buy. That's the best type of strategy you can have if you can see a basing action. Now sometimes you don't get that. Sometimes you get a V bottom, and then it's very difficult. But you know, you look for look for extreme value in stocks that have staying power. 
Okay, companies that have staying power. I mean, they've been around for years. They're very solid, maybe pay dividends, and they've fallen hard. Well, those are the ones that have a high probability of recovering at some point. Anyways, appreciate the call. That's a good question. So I told you what the market did. The Dow was down 179, the Nasdaq down 120, and the S&P down 28. Uh, so that's what the markets did today. They were down weekly yesterday. Week, W-E-A-K, weekly yesterday. So today was a follow-through down day, which is you know, never good, but we'll see. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I want to take a few seconds to thank our clients and listeners who made time to come to our Saturday morning wealth conference, Invest Talk Wealth Conference. And Justin and I and Jason, you know, it was uh, – about a two hour well actually it lasted two and a half hours a little half hour long and I really appreciate you coming thank you for everybody for who came to the conference so we covered a lot of territory I think if you're with us in person you very likely learned a great a good deal and many of you are also made you know made some excellent con, uh, contributions with great questions comments I appreciate that and I can tell that you know you guys are in tune the ones who came you're in tune with what's going on out there and now I'm taking your questions live, 888 chart This is InvestTalk, and helping you achieve your financial freedom is the primary objective. Steve Peasley is here now, taking your finance and investing questions live. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Charles in uh, Moreno Valley. How you doing, Charles? Charles? Hello, Steve. Just fine. Steve, I own no uh, gas and oil stocks, and I'm thinking of purchasing Oxy, O-X-Y. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good company. Okay. Uh, Occidental Petroleum. Yep. Okay, it's engaged in exploration, production, crude oil, and natural gas worldwide. And, of course, that whole sector has fallen and it dragged down Ox- Occidental Petroleum with it. Um, they're going to make $3.90 this year, $3.64 next year, and they made $5 last year. So that's why it's been falling. Um, sales are still growing, just growing slow, but they're still growing, which is interesting. That You really buy it for that dividend, Charles. I'm sure that's why you are considering 6.3%. And the PE is 10, and that's the low of its range. So it looks like it bottomed to me at around $47 and something cents, and now 49 got up to a little about 51 I think this is what I think it's trying to base in here. So I do think this is a good, good point, buy point. It's not going anywhere. It's a $36 billion company. It's not going anywhere. And the dividend's pretty solid. So I don't, I don't think you need to worry about it. Great return on equity at 18%. Great cash flow at $10.43. I mean, there's a lot of good things, and you got my thumbs up on it here. Charles, appreciate the call. Oxy, O-X-Y, Occidental Petroleum. Okay, let's take a quick look at some of the benchmarks today. Gold was up, was at $1,432, up by 1%. Have you noticed gold been making a march up all of June? Very significantly up. Especially when there's no inflation, the dollar's still strong. So why is gold going up? If the dollar's strong, that you know, a weak dollar pushes gold prices up. Uh, the the there, there's no inflation because inflation pushes gold prices up. So what's pushing it up? Well, it's all a, a flight to f- safety. People want to go where they feel the market is safe, and therefore gold. So it's fear. 
driving them to it. And that's the other thing that would drive gold up, fear. Oil was priced at $58 per barrel. No great spike, even with the potential for increased Middle East tensions. So oil prices for now are pretty stable. The 10-year Treasury was down again to 1.98%. That's the yield, 1.98%. The two-year is 1.736%. Hmm. Very, they're very close. Bitcoin is surging. It's uh, hit $11,241 today. Bitcoin is up over 200% this year. I would be very, very careful with it, though. It's very, very speculative. I mean, it's going to have huge spikes up and down. We know it is because we've seen it, right? We've all seen it. It's just, you know how many Bitcoins are out there in, in, in floating around? Do you think it's a lot? How much is a lot to you? Okay, there's only like, I think it's $21 million worth. That's nothing. Sales of new homes dropped in May. The official number is 626,000 at an annual, annualized rate for new home sales in May. But that only represents about 10% of the old market. The existing home sales market is much, much larger. Uh, the medium sale price for a new home is down 7.8% compared with April. So this is May, April. So it dropped quite a bit in just one month. See, you're seeing cracks in the economy. I mean, they're, they're all over the place. Still, the economy is strong. I'm not trying to suggest that it's you know it's falling apart. It's not, but there's a lot of lot of cracks appearing. I mean, I remember when back last summer we were you know the first time I mentioned it looks like there's one or two little cracks developing in our um, economic picture, and now there's lots of them, lots of them. Anyways, thought I'd share that with you. Do you know Amazon's upcoming July Prime Day sale will push the stock maybe past 2000 maybe? You know, do you know the Prime uh, Prime Days, Amazon has Prime Days, uh, this uh, July 15th and 16th, and it's for members, and they, they can buy highly discounted products during the sale, which applies to most of the goods on Amazon, by the way, not just a few things. And some of these products are very limited, and they sell out within minutes. Like kind of creating a Black Friday in the middle of the summer, July 15. So, anyways, that's going on. And they, you know, the Prime Days really demonstrate how important low prices are to consumers, because it's really big. This is the best talk, and we're already in the final trading week of June. Many of you might be feeling the urgent need to get your portfolios in shape. I hope so. If it's not in shape, you need to get it there quickly. That's normal, but please do not worry. Do not in this all alone. We're there. 888-99-CHARTERS are number. Give us a call. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Spencer in Denver. How you doing, Spencer? Good, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. 
Hey, I'm calling about Altria Group, and I'm just hoping to uh-huh. get your opinion on it long term. Um, I'm going to be putting some money into the stock market either, uh, you know, in the next week or so, or maybe at the end of the summer. I'm looking for a dividend okay. idea and just wanted to see if there's maybe, this is what I currently own, stuff like this. Just want to mm-hmm. see if uh, mm-hmm. you think that's a good stock for the long term or if there's somewhere better I can put my money. I actually, I think it's a pretty good stock for the long term. Altria Group manufactures cigarettes and other tobacco products, mainly sold under the Marlboro and Black and Mild names. And the reason why I say that is because I think they're going to get into the marijuana business in one way or another, maybe just a distributor. I don't know how they're going to do it. But as that gets more more uh, accepted by the public and the governments and so on and so forth, I, I do think you know big tobacco will get involved in some way. Uh, meanwhile, they still make very good money uh, and you know they also pay a very high dividend. So even if they don't get involved, it's still a solid company. We're looking at a company that's going to make $4.51 next year, and that gives us, what, 11 PE, and the five-year range is 11 to 25, so it's at the very bottom. Return on equity is 50%, which is very high. Um, they don't grow very much. I mean, if they're, they're flat as far as sales. But, you know, you're, if you're buying it for the dividend, you know, you want to buy it at a reasonable price, and this is a reasonable price. And if they do get into uh, their marijuana business in some way, that is that might be a growth area for them. So I kind of like it. I think all the lawsuits about cancer and all this stuff is way behind them at this stage because they've been paying billions out for a long time, and most of that's behind them. Everybody knows that cigarettes cause cancer. So, so you know, it, it's not a bad choice for a dividend-paying stock. There's others that, you know, I, you, you could look up. I mean, there's lots of nice dividend-paying stocks that gotten beat up recently. So, Spencer, appreciate the call. That's MO. That's uh, Ultra Group, everybody. Symbols MO. My main talking point today concerns the story, why should you keep your eyes open during June market rally? Well, it's a very interesting... June market rallies don't happen very often. Um... The the market so far this year is what up for for uh, just for June, just for June um, was it seven point seven percent or so? Uh, it, you know, based on uh, Friday's intraday high. So the highest it's ever had was like in the nineteen thirties. There they had June up days of June of nineteen thirty eight was up twenty four point seven percent. That's really a good day. Uh, June uh, 1931, June 1933, June 1929, June 1955. These were all up 8% or more. Only three of those five days I just listed were up for the year. I mean, there were only two were up for the year. The rest were down. And we're talking about big down. So... You know, June is not, just because it's up this month, I don't want people to think that that's going to be, you know, the the way it's going to be. You know, that one of the reasons, I, one of my talking points was about uh, Tracy McMillan from Wells Fargo, who's an analyst for global asset allocation, fills, and I agree with her, that the gains for the year probably are in for the year. You won't likely get much more gains for the rest of the year. You just probably won't. 
So it can happen. I mean, obviously, there's certain things that could happen to drive the market up. I mean, what if there's a Chinese deal? That would be helpful. Uh, but it's not typical. June is not typically a good month. And when it is a good month, generally speaking, the rest of the year is not very strong. It can be. I don't want to mislead you saying it never happens. It does happen. It's just rare. Okay? And I always like playing the odds or at least understanding the odds. I think that makes perfect sense. Okay. Um, FedEx is suing the Trump administration over shipping regulations that created an impossible burden. FedEx argues that it should not be held liable if it inadvertently ships products that violate a Trump administration ban on exports, exports to some Chinese companies. Now, in order to determine just what is in a package, FedEx would have to open every package. <laughs> but, you know, that would be impossible. So, you know, they don't know what really is shipped to where necessarily unless they open it. So how can FedEx know where the microchips inside a computer were going, were made? Like inside a computer, the shipping computer. How would they know that was made, the chips inside were made in China? So they're kind of, yeah, they want probably clarification. It's pretty hard. Now, in tomorrow's Invest Talk, one economist says that the market is excessively optimistic by reacting to talk of Fed cuts and trade deals. That story is tomorrow as we go into a break. UPS was founded in 1907 and FedEx was founded in 1971. What did it cost to start up these companies? Do you know? I'll have that answer next. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley and our number is 888-99-CHART. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future, to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm, that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. Over the weekend, a group of KPP Financial clients and listeners attended the InvestTalk Wealth Conference at the KPP offices in Irvine, California. It was a great learning opportunity for serious investors. And Steve and Justin thank all those who made time to join the sessions. And now, Steve Peasley is here and ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART. And I'm sure you do know that FedEx and UPS are the largest global courier delivery service companies in the world. And before the break, I asked, uh, UPS was founded in 1907 and FedEx was founded in 1971. What did it cost to start those companies? Well, the answer is UPS was founded in Seattle, Washington, as the American Messenger Company, and was capitalized with debt of $100. 
<laughs> FedEx was founded in Tennessee by Frederick Smith using his $4 million inheritance. Inheritance. Okay, well, in 2018, UPS had income of $4 billion and revenue of $71 billion, and FedEx had income of $4 billion and revenues of $65 billion. Pretty big success stories. I remember there was a story about uh, Smith, who started FedEx, that he was one, uh, he, I think it was he wrote this, that he was pay, payroll was short. He needed 25 grand. He didn't have it. He went to Vegas for the weekend and made it in Vegas. Got, came back with the money and and uh, paid paid his salaries for his employees. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, that was tough. That would have been very very tough. Think how you're managing a company, you're trying to grow it, and you can't make payroll. I can empathize with that. I really can. I've had that problem in my life. We're trying to make payroll. Let's grab another question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. I have a question about liquidity and what to do with some money. My wife and I are thinking about wanting to purchase a home probably in the next three to four years. And we have some liquid funds. Uh, we've got about 50000 in just cash. And so uh, right now it's sitting in a CD uh, with an interest rate of 2.1%. We were sort of wondering uh, what your advice would be on the best way to grow, but also guard that money. I think the the price range of homes we're looking at, we're going to want about $60,000 total to be able to put down 20%. What do you think the safest way to grow that money would be, whether it be a CD or if it would be putting it into some stocks for a while. So again, our time horizon is about three years. Uh, so if you could give us your thoughts on that, that would be great. Thank you so much. Okay, number one, I would not expose that money to the stock market. Now, you could do very well in the stock market. Yes, you can make that extra $10,000 in three years. and Yeah, probably. But you also can, can money can be cut in half just at the time that you need it because of the recession. So I would not expose my house money, my personal house money, to the stock market. So that leaves you with much more conservative investments like you have a CD, getting you know pretty low returns, uh, ultra short-term bond fund also giving you lower returns, but maybe a little bit more than a CD. I would suggest. You try to get your best rate on your CDs, go to bankrate.com and see what banks out there are paying the best rate. And that you just have to live with that because you need to protect this money. It's your house money for your where you're going to live. It's not, you know, it's not even speculative money on, on a rental property. It's your house money. And I just don't think it's wise to take chances with that kind of money. I just don't. That's my opinion. Appreciate the call, though, and the question. Thank you. This is Vest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and you've probably heard me say this more than once. There are really only two emotions that drive the market, and that's fear and greed. Fear and greed. Either you're, either people are fearful or they're greedy. They're greedy when the market shoots up and they think they're missing out, and they want it more and more and more, and they think it's just going to keep going up forever. That's greed. Fear is, oh, the market has been collapsed, and you know I don't want to lose any more money. I'm scared. It's fear. Those are the two emotions that drive it. You have to control both. You got to control both, especially with your own portfolio. So how do you do that? 
Well, you have to understand how much risk you're able to take emotionally, how much risk you're able to take without panicking in or panicking out. And then we have a tool to help you with that, to try to determine what that is. It's called a Riskalyze. It's a risk questionnaire. It's on investtalk.com, investtalk.com with two T's. It's free. It's just a short questionnaire, and it gives you a risk score. So we can analyze the results. We can tell you what that means, and we can get your portfolio and score it and see if you're taking more risk than you would feel comfortable with or less risk, either way. So go to investtalk.com, investtalk.com, and check it out. Answer the questions. And now I'm here, ready to take your questions live. Give us a call at 888-99-CHART. Our InvestTalk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on InvestTalk.com. Okay, what is my, this is a question from one of my uh, listeners who texted me or emailed me. He wanted to know what was my biggest personal financial mistake, and I thought I'd share that with you. My biggest personal financial mistake. Well, this is probably going back, let's see, this is going back 20, 27 years ago or so. I invested in a limited Property partnership, a REIT, if you will, real estate investment trust. Even though they didn't call them that last back then, and uh, it was in Atlantic City, because New Jersey just passed the law to legalize uh, gambling in Atlantic City, which you know Atlantic City is right on the right on the coast, right on the boardwalk, and so I invested in this limited partnership, um, like a hundred thousand dollars lost it all um, and um, what it was is rehabbing these old uh, an old hotel a really big old hotel and what happened is the crooks were the general partner that's why you hear me not recommending them so much so he took the limited partner's money and there was like a hundred of us and he borrowed uh, and took the land bought the property took the land and our money and borrowed m- money to, to rehab this place and then when he got all the money he could get, and I went back there to see if they were working on it, and they were, you know, it was starting to work and everything. And I thought I was doing my due diligence. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and it was recommended to be this whole thing by my CPA, by the way, for tax benefits because rehabbing old hotels and so on and so forth. There was a tax benefit for it. Anyways, he borrowed the money, and then they, whoever he was absconded, left the country, and he's a crook, and he's gone. And what happened after that? You think I just lost 100000 No. That's what I put into it. I lost all that. Five years later, I got from the, from the IRS saying I owed 50000 more. 50000 more. Well, how can I owe more than I invested? Well, think about it. They borrowed money, mortgage. So all the limited partners got that money, even though we never saw it. And it's income to us when the whole deal went bankrupt. So that's income. We had to pay income tax plus five years of penalty. The new one even knew existed. My biggest financial mistake. 
Oh, man, that was a painful time. <laughs> Very painful time. And I wasn't rich. This was, you know, I, I mean, I didn't have, you know, I thought I was being conservative buying property. <laughs> so it just tells you, you got to be really, really careful. Let's go to Will in San Diego. How you doing, Will? Oh, pretty good, Steve. Yeah, I've got another real estate question for you, and hopefully uh, it won't be a disaster like you experienced. Anyway, the ticker symbol yeah. is OPI, and it took a significant, okay. it's been in a downtrend for the last mm -hmm. uh, almost a year. So yeah, the, I see that. it looks pretty good right now, at least the fundamentals, at least I think so, if I'm looking at them correctly. Oh, I okay. To well, let's take a, okay, let's take a quick look here. This is a REIT, and the symbol is OPI called Office Properties. Office Properties. Uh, it's a REIT that owns and acquires and develops office industrial properties leased primarily to government tenants, which is good because government tenants, government governmental tenants, uh, you know, they don't usually go bankrupt ever. Right? Because right. they just tax us more money. So that's a good thing. Um, they have, they they made $10.04 a share in 2018. And then in 2019, they only made $5. They're going to only, this is the estimate, half of that, $5.32. And next year, they're only going to make $4.97. So that's probably why it's been in this long downtrend because that was, you know, that's a pretty bad, you know, fall. Now, $4.97, it's a $25 stock. So that means your PE is, you know, pretty low. It's like five or six. But right. this stock has always had a low. low. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's always been a low PE. You buy this for the dividend, okay? And their cash flow is $2.97. They paid 8.6%. So can they afford that? Well, eight nine percent of twenty five dollars is you know a dollar what almost two dollars two dollars around two dollars and they're going to make four ninety seven. So they they can easily cover their dividend. Dividends probably still going to be very healthy. Now it, sales have just spiked in their most recent quarter, so it looks like looks like to me. Uh, will that this price around twenty five dollars, maybe down as low as you know twenty two, twenty three? That's your bottom. Looks like that's where it's trying to put in a bottom to me. So um, you know, just don't bet the farm on it. But I think it might be a good, uh, you know, a good play. I think you know the the worry is is are we going to move into recession? Well, that would hurt this company, but not nearly as bad as others because they're renting to governmental tenants. They don't seem the governmental bodies don't shrink like private sector bodies do, you know, companies. So I, I think it's a pretty decent risk to take. I do. Well, really. Good luck with it. OPI. President Trump has signed an executive order on the health care prices, on health care prices. It concerns mandatory price transparency. Hospitals, insurance companies, they're going to fight this order, which could reveal their secret negotiation. President Trump says this order will end surprise medical billing. I don't know about you, but I can never figure out. If I ever go to the doctors or the hospital or anything, I can't figure out what the bill is. I have no idea 
what they're charging me for. And I mentioned on the radio a couple, three years ago, my wife got bit, severely bitten by two dogs on her ankles. And she had to go to the emergency room, had to have surgery and all that stuff. And, you know, it took two years before I finished paying off those bills. And I couldn't tell you anything if they were right, wrong, or did I already pay this one? Any, it was just impossible. So I think this is way overdue, transparency in billing, medical bills. I really do. So they'll fight it, of course. They don't want transparency. So healthcare has been the fastest growing inflation rate of any sector, an estimated 6% just in the coming year when no place else has that kind of inflation rate. You know, uh, so they have always had huge inflation, and I'm not sure why. And part of it is because you and I just rely on the insurance company to pay for it instead of saying, what's this bill for? What am I paying this for? You never question it. You just pay it or hand it to the insurance company. That's that's why there's no control. The only one that controls the attempts to control is the insurance company because of premiums. But, you know, but they just pass along to you and them higher premiums. They don't really have that much of a concern. Anyways, we get a wide variety of investing and finance questions on the show and our anytime listener line as well after the show. So here's a call that came in earlier. Hey guys, so I'm calling today and I'm sort of, I'm, you know, I'm young, I'm 22 and I was wondering if you think it might be a good option to uh, maybe buy Boyd Gaming, maybe with hopes that, you know, the legalization of sports gambling is something that, you know, that you see in the, in the future. I'm here for the long term, so I am uh, really think that Boyd Gaming might be a good opportunity. In your opinion, do you think that Boyd Gaming uh, is something I should hop on now or sort of wait out and see what happens? But uh, just uh, thank you very much. Bye. Boyd Gaming Corporation operates 29 casinos with 37,000-plus slot machines, 15 table games, 1.8 million square feet of casino space, and 11,090 hotel rooms. So it's a it's a $2 billion company. Uh, they've consistently made money and consistently earned more money every year. Last year was $1.33 a share. This year, estimated $1.75. Next year, estimated $2.03 per share. So pretty decent growth numbers. And income is, sales have increased too. 36% in the most recent quarter, 33% the quarter before that. Only 3% before that and 2% before that. So it's really accelerated recently. My biggest question, the thing that worries me the most is they seem to have lots of debt. And I need, I need to know where that came from. Did they buy properties? And, you know, is that debt worth the cost? That's probably my biggest question, and I, don't, I can't answer that here. Management owns 29%, pretty big number. So it's a fairly, you know, the price at uh, $26.59 is probably about 15p, which is a reasonable price for the stock. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one real goal in mind here, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break, so get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, with the S&P 500 seeing its best June since 1955, one economist says the market is excessively optimistic. That story tomorrow. 
But now Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Okay, 888-992-4278. Let's talk to uh, Tim in the Bay Area. How you doing, Tim? Doing well. How about you, Steve? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, uh, you're welcome, and I'm doing pretty well myself. Thank you. Uh, my question is about AYR, Air Castle Limited Com- uh, Corporation or company. Um, I uh-huh. ha- I own the company. I like it for the increasing dividend. They've been increasing their dividend, I think, through the past recession. Um, but uh, I called and asked Justin about it, um, and he didn't like it because of all the debt. But their business is uh, leasing airplanes, so some of the debt is justifiable. Um, so I'm wondering what our right. opinion is on it. I I sold the covered calls at 20, and it seems like it's stopping. Uh, but if uh, they expire in, in the money, I'm wondering if I should buy them back or just let it exercise. Okay, well, let's look at Aircastle Limited. It provides commercial jet aircraft leasing to passenger and cargo airlines in 43 countries. So it's a pretty cyclical type of a company, and um, but it's quite near its 52-week high, so it's done pretty well. Uh, they did. They made three dollars and twenty-nine cents a share in two thousand eighteen. This year, they're going to make two dollars and twenty-three cents. So that's you know almost a dollar less or a third. Then it's going to bounce back to two dollars and sixty-three cents next year. Sales have increased the last two quarters. Before that, they were shrinking. And the biggest worry is the debt. Okay, they lease airplanes, so they lease and then release them. You know, so they're they you know they probably will have lots of debt and probably always do have lots of debt. And that's probably why the uh, P.E. is so low. I mean, it, it's a $20 stock going to make $2.63. So it's going to be, what, an 8, 9 P.E. So it's pretty low. Uh, it's not an extreme low because the low extreme low is 5. 5 to 16 is their range for the last five years. So you, a big cash flow. And the ca- the dividend is probably pretty secure by the cash flow. So your biggest worry is the debt. And as long as they can service that debt, it's probably a decent purchase. Um, I, I, if you're buying it for the dividend, I think I, I'm not big on airlines and airline uh, airplanes. and I just think they're very risky because they're so expensive, those things. But if you're just looking for the dividend, there's probably better plays than, than this one. But it's a solid company. The debt, that's what you got to concentrate on. Is it is it something that you have to worry about or not? Do they, is the debt producing income for them by, you know, them buying planes and using that money to buy the planes that they already have leases on? You know, then it might be good debt. Tim, appreciate the call. AYR, Aircastle Limited. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. Wants to talk about gold. Yes, hi, Steve. Gold, yes. Um, hi, John. Hi. Um, well, I'm thinking of adding a significant portion uh, of the gold I already have to buy more bullion. But I'm wondering if you think it's expensive right now. I mean, my, uh, you know, the price has gone up lately. Um, but uh, well, I do, I, I do know. think it's gone up in price. I think it's got to run though, John. I don't know if I'd buy the bullion. I, I, I you know. 
I'd probably buy gold mining stocks. I mean, if it was me, because they have a better leverage to the price of gold. But it looks like the dollar has weakened recently. And uh, do you think the dollar is going to get stronger or weaker? I think it probably is going to get weaker. And you hear Trump talking the dollar down, right? He wants, he's whining the dollar's too strong. Well, it's always nice to have the president on your side if you're a gold bug and you want to buy gold and the dollar and the president wants to talk the dollar down. Okay. You know, that means gold will go up if he, if he's successful. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think like it's a pretty good plan. Yeah, I do. Uh, I kind of like them. Um, I, I do. We have positions in some of our stock accounts in gold and gold mining companies because I think they have a run to come. Yeah, they haven't done much in a while, but I think obviously they've been running here in recent history. Anyways, John, appreciate the call. Thank you. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. That goes by fast, doesn't it? And I want to thank you for your loyal support and all your questions. And please get them ready because we need more questions tomorrow. Right? We'll be here, same time, same station, same everything. I want everybody to have a great night. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.